Hello there, it's me, Tom. A little bit of bad news before we get into this week's episode. Recently I got to record this podcast in person today for the first time in a very long time and we talked about lots of great stuff, which you will hear shortly. Unfortunately, when we came to check the recording after, this is what it sounded like. Hello and welcome back to the Review Podcast. Now, at this point, with not enough time to re-record the entire thing, we very easily could have made the decision to bin the whole episode and put a tweet out blaming technical difficulties. However, Reese and I discussed it and we made the decision to bring you this episode regardless. Unfortunately, having to use our camera audio instead of our studio microphones, which, admittedly, not ideal, is our best option. I hope you can enjoy it regardless because there is some great content in there and it's much better than what the alternative audio would have sounded like. So without further ado, I bring you our French Grand Prix Roundup. Hello and welcome back to the Rear View podcast and before I explain any of this, I would like to start today's episode with an apology. An apology to my good mate Paul, who I call Boring. I'm mocked for his tendency to be slow and unexhilarating. You've been slagging him off, haven't you? I've been absolutely horrible to him because, yeah. Mr. Paul Ricard, I do hope you can forgive me because, blimey, we actually had a good French Grand Prix and I can't quite believe it. Yep. Anyway, more on that to come. Of course, this is the Rear View Podcast. My name is Tom Lomas and for the first time in a long time, I'm joined in real life today by the wonderful Mr. Reese Keeper. Look, I can Hello. touch him. Probably shouldn't COVID, but I can. He can if he wants Reece, to. Reese, how are you? Yeah, I'm all right. I went to the uh, the hairdressers this week and asked them for an undercut because that seems like what's working very well recently. Woo! And yeah. we're on the ball. Reason that was back, a good one. That it was, was a good it one. It was all right. It was all right. I thought about it in the shower. Poor Ricard then. What do we make of it now? For so long, it's had this tendency to be a boring, uneventful race, you know, usually with a classic procession down the midfield and, and not much else. But this year, it certainly made things a bit more exciting. What, what did you think of that race, Reese? So I'm not going to lie to you, Tom. Mm-hmm. And I'm not going to say that I haven't watched it. I'd be a pretty bad podcast host mm-hmm. if that was the case. I was very, very tired for it. Right. So I was working nights. Mm-hmm. Uh, didn't finish work till about three o'clock in the morning. Uh, then got up at nine o'clock. Mm-hmm. So <clears throat> I was I was fading in and out a little bit. Let's just say that. But from what I could gather, it was an exciting race. It was an exciting race. It was an exciting race. Uh, and what's up? Did you get you got the start? Yeah, I got the start. You got, yeah, the, I got start. the start. So let's start at the start then. Because it was Verstappen who led into the first corner, quickly followed by Hamilton who led into the second corner. Um, that was the race's first huge curveball with Max making that mistake. And that mistake really then spelt, uh, spelt out the first leg of that race. What did you make of that mistake? Verstappen just going a little bit deep into the second corner. You, you don't often see that, do you? Like we, we always say that you don't often see it from, from Max and Lewis, like mm. little mistakes. And it, it, was a, it was a little bit of a big mistake. He's lucky that he didn't lose more places from it, to be honest. Mm. So, un, un-Max-like, if you will. Yeah. But you could show, it, it just showed how much he was pushing to keep the Mercedes behind him. Yeah, definitely, definitely. It was an interesting one. And I, I think ultimately it wasn't his Max's mistake. He, you know, the wind was very strong and early. He quite anticipated the wins he'd be facing as he came into that first corner. I think that's what mainly caused him to lose the back end. But to be fair to him, it could have been a lot worse. He held it. He only went behind Hamilton. Bottas stayed uh, in front, uh, behind him even. Uh, and really, that's kind of how it led, as I said, for the first leg of that race. It was Hamilton from uh, Verstappen uh, up into the pit stops. And Lewis had built himself a good lead over Verstappen. 
when Rebel decided, and like you say, they tried the undercut, and the undercut at Poor Card apparently was very powerful because they played an absolute blinder. And I don't know if you're awake for this bit, Reese. I was. I it was. Cut, I was just fading. Okay. <laughs> it cut to the wide shot of Hamilton coming out of the pit lane from his pit stop. Max on his outlap still from his lap, and it was literally wheel to wheel racing, and ultimately Max came out on top. And in fact, we saw a few examples of the undercut being extremely strong at Port Ricard. What was your feeling when you saw that? Yeah, uh, Danny Ricks worked really well. Danny Ricardo's undercut mm. because when we initially brought him in, uh, I'm in the corner, but uh, when we initially brought him in, I was thinking that's early. Yeah, you couldn't tell. You couldn't tell. <laughs> Uh, when we initially brought him in, I was like, that's early, that's too early, I'm not liking this at all. Mm. But, no, and it, it, it was, it just made the, it gave that, the race a little bit more more excitement because, that we normally don't have at France. Well, Ricardo was, he was in a race with Leclerc, was it, at that point? And they, yes. and they brought him in, they said to him, come in, we'll undercut Leclerc. Yeah, he was ninth, ninth and eighth or something yeah. like that, like quite far down. So, um, yeah, it, it, it made, it gave the race a bit more excitement than we didn't expect. And also... Definitely. The fact that the tyre, um, big word that I can't say, begins with a D. Duration? Deterioration. Deterioration. We'll go with deterioration. Okay. That's a word. That, that wasn't the word that they, they <laughs> used, though. Uh, but the fact that the tyres... Um, the life of the tyres. The life of the tyres, sounds like a film, wasn't holding up um, as well as teams expected. Mm. Because going into the race, you had Crofty going, oh, it's going to be a one-stopper. Yeah, We're going to yeah. go from hearts to mediums. Yeah. And the next thing you know, cars are flying in on lap eight. Uh-huh. You know what I mean? Yeah, well, this is it. So we'll come to that. So um, I, I just jump ahead. All I'll time. put a little disclaimer in the podcast here. If you hear some weird dog sounding noises, we got a podcast dog. We've got a podcast dog. Milo. Little Milo. Hello. Milo. Hey Milo. People not watching on YouTube right now are very confused. He, he just looks upset that we woke him up. There's dog pictures. Is it not on YouTube? You can look at a dog. It's quite cute. He's an old man. Subscribe to our YouTube channel. Anyway, yes, it was around the end of that first stint, oh, the pit stops, that people who had previously predicted a one-stop race thought saying, actually, this might be a two-stop. And suddenly, personally, I started getting flashbacks to Spain earlier in the season where obviously it was Mercedes. Uh, that was meant to be a one-stop race. Then Mercedes and Rebel both pit onto the uh, onto the next set of tyres. Rebel were winning, and then Mercedes pulled a blinder there, decided to pull... Uh, Hamilton in, put on some medium tyres and go to the end on another set and he, he won the race ultimately. I was getting flashbacks to that here and I thought, you know, Mercedes pit strategy allowed them to win the race there and, you know, subsequently that, this is what happened here. You know, after just 12 laps or so on the hard tyre, Max came in, put on the mediums and I was left thinking, you know, will Mercedes jump here? Will they come in too? Because that, was, that would be the big question, I think. We knew how powerful the undercut was around Port Ricard, and Red Bull used that to their advantage, saying, we're going to take a risk, we're going to pull the trigger here, we're going to bring Max in off the hard tyres, we're going to put him onto those medium tyres. If he can't close that gap, we've thrown away what could be a good win. Um, if he can close that gap, it'll be an absolutely dominant sort of masterclass, and ultimately he did. Uh, Mercedes didn't come in. They left Hamilton out and very quickly lost their gap to Verstappen to, to do a pit stop. Within a few laps, if they'd have pitted, Verstappen would have been clear at the front. Uh, and this is what it all came down to, really. It all unraveled from there. What, what, what did you think watching that in the race? You've got to say that the Mercedes strategists had an off day. Because mm. you could guarantee any other race, any other race, they're living rent-free in Red Bull's head. 
whatever Red Bull are thinking, Mercedes do it first. Whatever you know, Red Bull want to do, Mercedes are there first. Mercedes are always knocking on the door, thinking, uh, being like, "Look, we're going to challenge you on this. We're going to challenge you on this. We're going to get you on this." Mm. And that's what's won them the World Championships. Yeah. As well as having a dominant car, obviously, you've got to have your strategists. They were next level strategists. Mm. McLaren this weekend showed that their strategists were were on one. Like they were, yeah. they were doing nutty stuff. Um. I think it was the radio messages at the end. Are we going to get on to that? Yeah. Yeah. So uh, we'll go into that a little bit later on. But I think it was interesting what one of the drivers said. Sorry, my uh, my, my voice has just got on me. Talking with yourselves. I think well, we can go into that now, actually. I think, it, you know, those radio messages show <laughs> both drivers, in fact, said at the end of the race, you know, this should have been a two-stop. Why didn't we yeah. two-stop it? But I said, you know, I told you right at the start of this race, after a very short stint on the medium tyres, this is going to be a two-stop race. They didn't. Yep. And I think what I, I think you just put that nicely for what mm. Bottas actually said. And um, Bottas has got to be. I mean, for an experienced driver like Valtteri Bottas, who is absolutely incredible in F1, mm. like you, you can't take anything away from him to be successful in F1. Like, yeah, he's not going to win a championship. But I, he is one of the most successful drivers on the grid. Need, yeah, to be a to be a good to be a Formula One driver, you need to be a good driver. Full stop. You don't yeah. get there not being a good driver. Yeah, you and need he have a feel for your tires. Yeah, and he's he, he had he's got the experience in a car. It doesn't matter what the strategists say. If the driver's not happy with the car, mm. they're gonna come in. Yeah. it's like the, it's like if you, if you were to go around and get a puncture, and then the strategist would be like, "Hang on, you got that puncture on lap six, but we're not coming until lap twenty three. Yeah. You know what I mean? That it, that's the equivalent of what happened. It's, and then there was also the moment earlier on in the race where they they messed up Hamilton's pit stop. They did they they didn't react to the undercut well enough. Bottas similarly, you do feel like Mercedes have missed missed a trick at this race. Yeah, which is they dropped the ball. You know, alternatively, you can say that the same thing happened in Spain with Red Bull, and obviously there's a plenty of comparisons between this race and Spain because you know there are many of these similarities that. Flipped to the other team. Red Bull did this in Spain. Mercedes did this in France. They yeah. both messed up in their own ways. I think differently though, there was a part of me that towards the end of that race thought maybe Mercedes could come back and, and do what Red Bull could and maybe they could still win this race. Missing that, the undercut and, and missing that second pit stop, could they still put, pull it off? Because with five laps to go in that race, it was still very close. Hamilton with five laps to go, was meeting Verstappen's pace. He was keeping up with him, he was keeping that gap, but then from there, it just very quickly fell off. He couldn't keep pushing on those old tyres, and ultimately, on the penultimate lap, Max just flew past him with very little challenge. But it was great to see. Max Hunting-Lewis flying through the pack, back to catch up with him. I think he went down to P4 after his pit stop, had to pass Bottas, had to pass Perez, and then ultimately Hamilton to get back up there. And... That was the most exciting part of the race, and that's what really made the race, in my opinion, was that gamble that Red Bull took to go to the back of the pack and then come back through, you know, flying through the pack to catch up to him. It made that race exciting, in my opinion. I mean, I'm not going to lie. I didn't think he was going to catch him. No. I really didn't think he was going to catch him. It got I, very nip and tuck. It did, and that is the closest end to an F1 race that I think we've seen in a while. Mm. Um, I thoroughly enjoyed it, though, and I, I just want it to, to keep happening like that. Hopefully so. And I mean, I've said it before and I'll say it again. What we have this season is something we haven't had for the last eight years or so, probably, which is an intra-team championship rivalry. You know, genuinely two different drivers from two different teams 
week in, week out, throwing punches, throwing blows, taking blows to that championship title. And it, it really is exciting because it, it's spicing up even the most mundane of races. And I know I said at the start, the whole apology to Paul and saying that he did actually make an exciting race. But honestly, I don't think France has changed that much from when we last raced here in 2019. But what has changed significantly is the field of cars competing. And that closeness and competition is really going to make this season a memorable one because it's making these races like France, which traditionally have been boring races, a lot more exciting. Yeah. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. Um, The fact that the title is still up in the air, it's such a nice feeling being an F1 fan knowing that Max or Lewis couldn't win it. I I, I think it is obviously between them two, but it it makes it so exciting. Uh, Also, I want to give a quick honourable mention to Perez because we run about uh, Max cutting back through the top yeah. three. I don't know if you've seen it. F1 put it out on the on a, the team radio. Yeah. Um, the engineer was very much in Perez's ear being like, Max is 3.1 behind you, Max is 2.8 behind you. Yeah. And then Perez made sure... Perez was basically driving on the bloody gravel to get out of the way, even though there's no gra- gravel up the yeah, 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 yeah. But he, he was basically off the track to make sure he was out of the way so much think- for Vettel to come through. And Vettel... Which happened. Uh, Verstappen, sorry. And Verstappen, like, repaid... Like, Verstappen got on his radio. He was like, tell him I said thank you. Yeah, yeah. Sort of thing. And then Perez was like, let's go get him. Because yeah, I, I saw that. And I think that, that that shows what Red Bull have this year. That the Mercedes have kind of had in the past with Bartas and Hamilton, but you never feel like Bartas was... Bartas is always the wingman. He doesn't want to be that anymore. And that's yeah. clear. That's what's sort of going wrong at Mercedes, I think, this year. Mm-hmm. Bottas isn't as willing to play into Hamilton's hands as maybe Perez now is to the Shaka. I think oh, Perez... He said at the start of the season, didn't he, that he was, he was going to be selfish Exactly, yeah. And, and we've already seen examples of that when, I think it was, I think it might have even been Spain where Bottas was coming through and, and they said to Bottas on the radio, let Hamilton through, he's, he's on a much better strategy and Bottas didn't let him through. He barely no. raced to yeah, get yeah. that position. And, you know, on the flip side, Perez does and there is... Perez doing that, I don't think it's him showing he's a you know rollover second driver. I think it shows that Perez knows teamwork. He knows that probably on the flip side of that, if Perez is going faster than Max was there, I think they do the same thing the other way around. Yeah. It's good teamwork and it shows that you know the team are prepared to say, look, that's the fastest driver, let them go. Or Reese's punched his microphone, I'm, he's absolutely I'm raging. Of, I'm sick of my hair, so <laughs> for any viewers, I do apologise about it. <laughs> But yeah, it just shows that I think Perez is the driver Red Bull have needed for a while. He's taken a while to get into that seat, but I think he's comfortable in it now and he's consistently getting points. He's consistently up there with the top four, fighting in that top four, and he's beating Bottas pound for pound in that championship at the moment, and that's where he needs to be. I think there is literally no argument between Perez and Albon for that seat anymore. Yeah. Perez has managed, he said, judge me in six races. Yeah. The sixth race he won, didn't he? Yeah. And then it 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 adds this extra little bit of excitement knowing, oh, well, if uh, if Mercedes do that with one car, Red Bull can do it with the other car. blah de blah blah yeah, Like, you I know what know. I mean? You, yeah. you've, you've got four cars now up there that are very much battling for race wins. And I mean, don't get me wrong, I think... I think Albon's a great driver still, and he's been racing DTM this week, and he did very well. I think he got on a podium, on the podium in DTM... He is a good driver, and you can't take that away from him. When he was at Toro Rosso, he really impressed. His first yeah, yeah. race at Rebelling really impressed. 
Um, and I think, I do think if he'd have had the time, he could have developed into a good driver. But the problem is Red Bull at the moment, in the position they are, Couldn't don't have to, don't have yeah. time to give their drivers. They need someone to come in, like Perez, yeah. who's got the experience, got the knowledge that can sit in that car within five races, be challenging. Don't get me wrong, Albon's a good driver. Yeah. Gasly's a good driver. They've both been proving it. Gasly like, especially, yeah, recently yeah. in Aftari. Oh, 100%. However... For them to succeed, for the younger drivers to succeed in the Red Bull yeah. um, Red Bull development program, they need to leave the Red Bull development program yeah. because, uh, like it was Daniel Ricciardo and Max Verstappen, the young gun and the older one, um, that's what they need to. That's what they, they need to replicate really with Max in the car because Max is always going to be their first choice driver, their their go to man, and rightfully so. Max has proven that he should be the top top of the team sheet, if yeah. you will. Yeah. First name on it. However, I just think that Red Bull have done a good job by getting in the experience. Like uh, it was rumored that Valtteri, uh, Valtteri, Be- Sebastian Vettel. It, I, I don't know what's happening with me names today, Tom. Uh, it, it was rumored that Sebastian Vettel was going to go back. Yeah, and everyone was a bit like, "What?" Well, then that would have been a good move because he's that older, experienced driver. Well, again. I mean, we spoke about this on last week's episode, didn't we? About these, these, all these drivers that have made moves now in Baku. I think it has carried over to France, have now sort of cemented themselves in these teams. Vessel at Aston Martin, again, he got some good points this weekend. I think he came ninth in the yep. end, stroll 10th. And this wasn't a great weekend for, for Aston Martin, but they got the points that they needed. And I think Vettel now is challenging in that car the best he can, compared to, I'd say, Alonso, of a similar mm. um, experience, well, a much larger experience level, who in the Alpine isn't doing what I think you'd expect him to be doing. I think I think Alonso, I still forget sometimes in races that Alonso's even back in the sport. Yeah. You'd, ex- you'd expect him to to be tickling the top ten a bit yeah. more. Um, his qualifying pace just hasn't really been there. No. And that's obviously hindered him in the race. Whereas, like, Lance Stroll, he went... Did he go out in qualifying this? Yeah. Yeah. And then he managed to battle back through the fact to get ten. I think... I think it, 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 the problem with Alonso, you can even compare it to his teammate, Ocon, more times than not, I think, has outshone Alonso this season. Alonso is a two-time world champion. Yeah. I don't know. And we should say that that's probably the reason that Ocon has got the new contract that he's just signed. Yeah. Because um, he's been proving himself against a two-time world champion in the exact same vehicle. Absolutely. Absolutely. It's going to be interesting. I think Alonso... He's very, he's overhyped at this point, similar to Kimi Raikkonen. That's what I keep saying. They've long gone from their best days. I can so like I'll, I'll I'll die on this hill, but I can see the reason to bring them back. Like I can see the reason to keep Kimi. Oh, yeah, the I reason to why. keep Kimi sponsorship money, cha-ching. Mm. The reason to have Alonso back in, big name for your team, sponsorship money, cha-ching. But at the end of the day, the race isn't won on the sponsorship deal you can get. The oh, race yeah, is won on track. Yeah. And, uh, you know, it is that bigger picture stuff. I think, to be fair, Alonso probably, when Ricardo left, I think Alonso was a good champion to bring in. He had that big name and experience. He's not, a, he, you know, he was a proven driver. Well, it was a massive blow for them when Ricardo left. Yeah, Because exactly. he, was, he was the guy that they were building the car around. Yeah. And uh, if you haven't seen Drive to Survive on Netflix, yeah. that very much focuses on that in this yeah. last series. Yeah. I think it, it wasn't ideal. And Alonso was the one that went for He's going to be there for another... I think he's got at least a contract for next year as well. So I was reading the other day. Mm-hmm. I don't know. He's not impressed me so far. There's still room to go on that. But Vettel, I think he's done really well in that Aston Martin. 
you do feel like he's much happier there than he ever was at Ferrari, yeah. which is obviously a very positive thing. And Perez primarily is the one that we need to look on and, and what we've said. I'd argue, know, he, he's been driver of the season so far for me that's not in a title fight. I'd also argue that Carlos Sainz um, mm. had a had a really good bad race, if you will. Yeah. Because he did significantly better than Leclerc in what is the same car, realistically, both in the Ferraris. He, he looks like he's settling down in that Ferrari now. Mm. What's disappointing is the fact that that Ferrari doesn't look like it's been nice to him. So here we go then. So talking about Ferrari, talking about the midfield, uh, let's go over to Mr. Keeble. As our specialist in midfield ongoings, as a McLaren fan, you know what's going on outside the I'd title argue, fight. I'd argue we're top three. But, you know. uh, okay. Um, is there any special mentions you want to throw in that, that might have been missed by the average viewer in the race this week that happened in that midfield battle? I mean, you've done well to put me on the spot here. <laughs> um, I, I, honestly, we've talked about it before, the fact that Aston Martin were able to come from nowhere to be able to get two points finishes. And um, also, not really midfield, but back of the pack, Mr. Saturday himself, George Russell, getting 12th. If it was any if it was any other race mm. where we would have had a couple of cars crash out, he would have been in the points. Yeah. Because we, like it's not often that you get an F1 race where all 20 cars finish. Yeah, yeah, that's another point you should say. It was, it was no retirements, wasn't no. there, in, in this race. That, that is rare. Um, but yeah, 12th place for Russell, that's very good. And he did actually come out afterwards. I don't know if you've seen the stuff that was posted on socials afterwards. He came out saying that he thinks that's the best race he's ever had for Williams. Well, I mean, it shows. Yeah, yeah, it shows. Uh, but it's it's really nice to see Williams developing the way that they should be. Yeah. They were very much the lowest of the law when Claire was running it. Mm. Like, you know, obviously, we know all that Claire ran it because she's Claire Williams. She deserves to run her own team, essentially. Yeah. But now that they've kind of took a step back and sold the team... um. It, it, it's definitely shown that the investors that they've sold it to is very much invested in the team. Yeah, I think I've been very impressed by what Dorlington have done so far. Obviously, they've recently, I think, I think we might have talked about this last week, I'm not sure if we did, uh, replaced Simon Roberts as the team principal. Yeah, we. I don't think we talked about it on the podcast. Um, yeah. I, I, so, I'm, I'm not very... I know... I'm going to sound like such an uber here. <laughs> so, I obviously know what team principals do. They run the team. Yeah. What was he doing that wrong? What was Simon doing that wrong? Was there anything wrong? That he needed to be replaced after what was literally about eight races. He he wasn't doing anything wrong. His position. So this is what sort of Ted was talking about in the in the in the notebook, which is obviously where we get all of our content from. Yeah. Um. He's basically he basically from what's being sounded is he never did anything wrong. It was essentially as soon as uh, Dorlington took over, they were looking for someone to bring in to, to put into that position. And, Simon Roberts was promoted to be the temporary team principal. Right. Then at the end of the season, he I know, Milo, it's very depressing. Uh, <laughs> at the end of the season, he was then promoted to be the um, full team principal, not just the standing one. Mm-hmm. Um, and then they brought in a lot of the VW um, rally team. So a lot of big people, the names are escaping me at the moment, but a lot of the big three big players from that very successful VW rally team to uh to come and race for for the for for them and slowly now they've been taken Yoskapita is the name I'm looking for. Uh, they're slowly now taken over and now they are the team principal and the team in charge. That's just the structure I think that Dolinson wants to go for and unfortunately Simon Roberts doesn't doesn't fit right. that structure. He's not doing anything wrong um inherently but that's why. Might have taken a little walk. Yeah so he had a little shake then during yeah. sorry. Usually in Williams he's come around to say oh okay. Well, I, I think it's the fact that he said the W word and not Williams is just piqued his attention. Oh, 
Right. Uh, I wouldn't do that again because uh, you'll start barking and clawing at the dog. <laughs> okay. Um, right then. Let's go on to. Well, before actually, before we get on to this week's predictions, I I've got some fun. I've got something exciting I want to tell you about. Okay. For the first time, I think in this podcast history, last week a prediction was right. <gasps> we made a prediction last week as to how the race podium would finish, and it was right. Uh, you predicted it would be Paris to win Hamilton second in Norris, so it wasn't you, I'm afraid. But I predicted we'd see Verstappen win Hamilton second and Perez third. I got it right. I pre- I correctly predicted the race podium. Okay. So I, I think that makes it Tom minus twenty four, Reese minus twenty five, and Ruth minus twenty five. Hold on, how's Ruth on minus twenty five when she's done significantly less podcasts than me recently? She'd be on a better score than you if, she, if I didn't count all of them. Do you want this to be on like minus 16? <laughs> uh, anyway, thank you for your applause. Uh, I really appreciate you. Yeah, no, I'm just annoyed now. Successfully getting my prediction We're not right. meant to do it. We're not meant to do it right. You know <laughs> that. that. The whole part of it is that we get it wrong. <sighs> right then. So as we depart the shores of Le Castellet, we look onto this weekend and next weekend. It's a back-to-back-to-back weekend of racing and you've got to love that. I don't know uh, how well you can see it, but we're going there. It's there. It's Austria. Um, well, Austria is the weekend after. It's Styria first. Oh, I um, should say. Oh, um, I going to say. New part of the show. Oh. We're going to do the Biggest Baby Award. I don't know if you can see that on the camera. I think he's just thought this up on the spot. I have. Biggest Baby Award goes for someone who was complaining a lot in the race. Okay? Uh-huh. I'm going to give it to Mick Schumacher this week. Oh. Congratulations, Mick Schumacher. On this week's Biggest Baby Award. Well done, Mick. We'll send it in the post. Uh, right, yes. Triple uh, header, header. We've already had the first. We've got two races left. You've got to love it. And I love when you have all this racing all in one go. We're off to Syria next. Reese, qualifying predictions in Syria. What are you thinking? Uh, I am thinking that the Red Bull will do extremely well. And I'm also thinking that... The McLarens will do really well as Ooh. well. This is where Lando got his first podium, isn't it? Yeah. So it could, it's it could a, happen. It's tasting tasty, mm. shall I say? So give me your actual top three then. That I, I hate it when you make me do this. It, okay. It's going to be Verstappen, Hamilton, Daniel Ricciardo. He's done it again. I'll say last week it was Perez, Hamilton, Norris, and you've gone again. Red Bull, <laughs> Mercedes, McLaren. Um, qualifying, I think. Verstappen. No, Mazepin. Oh, Mazepin's going to win it. Mazepin's going to win it. Verstappen on pole. I think he's going to do it again. He got pole in France. No, I didn't put him on. I, I put him for second last week. He got pole. So I think he's going to do pole again this week, which probably means he won't. Uh, we'll have Hamilton second, and I think we'll have Perez third. Okay. Uh, yes. What's your race prediction then, Mr. Keeble? Uh, McLaren 1 2. Uh, Mercedes third. No, I think you're, I think you're having us for a ride here now. I think it's going to finish Perez first, mm. Max second, Valtteri Bottas third, Lewis Hamilton is going to have some kind of car failure that will make him retire from the race. So this was, last week your prediction was that it would be Hamilton <laughs> uh, would be in there second, Perez would win it and Norris would be third and Verstappen would have a major issue. Yeah. This week you flipped on it said you said it'll be Perez first, Verstappen second and Bottas third and Hamilton's going to have a major issue. So, big baby award I think now goes to race for his original ideas. 
Um, I, I mean, <laughs> hey, you asked me what I'm predicting, and I've got to predict a riot. Uh, so I, I'm, I'm going to say it will be. Um, you not kicked my dog. I just kicked. I kicked. Yeah. Oh, I'm sorry, man. I think it's going to be Hamilton win. I think it's going to be Verstappen second, and I think it's going to be Paris third. That's my prediction for next week. Are you sick of the podcast now, Milo? Oh, Should we end it? Poor Milo. Should we end the podcast Poor now? Milo. I'm actually going to quickly, before we do finish, just reference the fact we're both wearing England shirts. It's because it's coming home. It's coming home, lads. If you watched on the on the video, it's coming home. Gerard. Yeah. Gerard! He's going to come out of retirement and bang one in in the final. Oh, that won't happen. Gerard! There you go. Um, well, there we go. What a lovely podcast. What, what a lovely, lovely chat. Thank you very much to everyone for listening. Uh, and Milo. Milo's literally just opened the door. Milo's left. He's, he's, he's had enough. Um, I hope you've enjoyed us being back in person once again. It just adds that nice little bit. It's just becoming a regular thing now. Maybe. Are you going to stay in person? Hopefully. Can I move in? Yeah. Spare bed? Yeah. Yeah, there is. Perfect. There we go. I've got a new house. So that's really fun. Uh, House two are coming soon. (laughs) Yeah, subscribe. 100k subs. We'll do a house tour. Thank you so much for watching. And hopefully uh, you'll enjoy. Hopefully we'll enjoy the next race. And you'll enjoy us listening us listening to us review it I'd argue, I'd argue for the listeners while uh, a tap dancer comes back with his toy <laughs> I'd argue for the listeners you don't need to watch the race just, just listen, listen to, to us, us. Yeah. that's the new slogan of the review podcast anyway without further ado uh, I have been Tom I've been Reese, and we'll see you next time bye bye au revoir not yet not yet music's a bit now